We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And even though we recorded yesterday, since then, we've gotten news that LeBron James is hurt with an ab strain out one to two weeks. And then the Lakers blew another big lead to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Those are related events. Now, the... This is probably the first game where in the the text thread that we had, you are a little less frustrated than I am about this particular law. Probably the first game of the season like that. Set the context for us right now going on with the team and kind of where your head's at. I just think that injuries have derailed the start of this season. Mike, you made this point in our text thread, but it's something that's been on my mind a lot and was immediately jumped into my head the minute after... It was announced that LeBron was going to be out against the Thunder. The reporting around it is like, oh, he'll be out a week, maybe two. But that's couched in language of they're going to be really conservative and careful, which I think is right to do. LeBron's in his 19th season. But injuries have, again, taken hold in a way that, to me, it's hard to know what this team actually is. At this point, Pete, you made the point the last pod that we've gotten very used to seeing this version of the team and this and it's sort of taken hold that this is the that these are the Lakers. This is the 2022 Lakers and it's not. And it's not. This isn't the team. Now, if someone wants to tell me, I don't think Kendrick Nunn is going to help that much or he's only going to help so much. Like I'm. Of course. I mean. or, or or I'm not sure how good Trevor Ariza is at this point, how much he has left in the tank. Taylor Horton Tucker's only a third-year player. There are reasons to be skeptical about some of the things that have impacted the Lakers negatively and how much, if those things were in place, how, what things would actually look like. That said, that I would like to see those things first before I say, like, that those things aren't going to go well or 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 that they can't help in certain ways detract in other ways and then that changes the outlook of the team in the big picture there's just too much we do not know for me to 
to get. Last night, I felt like, oh, well, they lost. They didn't have LeBron. I said this in our text thread. The Lakers literally have five players who make above the minimum this year. It was like, this is what they did with their roster construction, right? They traded all of their mid-salaried guys and they traded them for Russell Westbrook. So now they've got five guys who don't make the minimum. Two of those guys have not played a single minute this season. And the third one, who happens to be LeBron James, probably the most important player on this team for a variety of reasons, right? He's missed almost half the games this season, right? Or he's missed a third of the games. And and so I do not know what you can learn about the team when that much of what you expected to be key contributors towards the towards the best version of what you want to be, that those guys, like, what do we really know about them? That they don't do X, Y, and Z? Well, yeah, they don't do that with this version. Are they still not going to do do that stuff later? Maybe, but I actually don't know. You know why? Because I haven't seen it. And it's been, that part has been frustrating. The loss last night was just like, oh, that's what happens when you have basically equal amounts of talent and the other do and the other team has good players too and a really good one who basically kicked the lakers ass down the stretch well first of all fellas the laundry's back and in this case you know the appropriate metaphor that i love is that the injuries need to be washed out and it's just been an unfortunate reality to start the season and going back to last season where every time that i'm coming on to do the pregame rap with uh, a Frank Vogel sound with Geeter or on occasion with Ali. It's it's like, yep, well, got to start with the injuries again today. You know, LeBron's not playing, uh, but AD is in this case. And and so that's the that's the underground for this. But after the game, Vogel said that they want to have big picture patience, but small picture sense of urgency. And I think Mello summed it up by saying, yes, there are all, all of this stuff is going on, but we still can't lose that game. And they've got to find, even if the talent level is closer because the injuries that are out, that's the game when the team beats you the time before that whoever's on the floor just has to find a way to uh, to get the W. And so that's, I think, where fair and appropriate disappointment can come in. Um, even if it's an early season game, even if we know it's not the team they're going to get to, that's a that's just a group that you don't want somebody to get that edge on you, um, even if it's a, be- a team that's much better than you. There's, there's got to be a certain level of fight and, and scrap and all that. And we can get into this, the specifics, Pete, which I think started with AD's thumb uh, injury in the first half that really sort of changed the flow of the game and gave the Thunder a quick 6-0 run to, to cut down that bigger lead so that it was only four at halftime, even though we say that it was 19. But, I, yeah, I think that you got to shelve the injury stuff for a second and just say whoever's on the floor there has to find a way to win the game. I... Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> sorry to, right. no, sorry to right. steal no. your, your shtick. No, you're standing on my corner, Pete, but, but you're welcome. Oh, you're I'm welcome. welcome here? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we have more talent than OKC if AD is playing. Like AD didn't even start the second half, right? You were talking about doing pregame hits, but you've also had a couple times this season where it's like, oh yeah, so-and-so is still in the locker room or so-and-so is stretching in the tunnel and this is what's going on, right? And the Lakers have about 100 rotational minutes out right now. You've got LeBron at about 34, THT and Nunn around 24 apiece, so that's 48, and then Trevor Ariza in, in the high teens. And that is a high, that is a, that's a that's bigger 40%. scale. 
That's 40% of the game. Yeah, there's 240 minutes total. And so if 100 of those are out, that's the most in the league right now. I asked around last night because, you know, I was like, hey, is anybody else having any uh, other injuries? And I I don't think any other team has this scale of injuries, nor do I think that other, you know, or, I, don't, I don't think any uh, other team has this scale of injuries. Nor do I think that this is normal, even though like because the natural response to this D is like, well, you put together an old roster like there's going to be some level of old guy sits out with nagging injury all season long. Well, We've already had that, but you also have THT and then you have none. And then when AD gets hurt, I don't think that we have more talent than OKC at that point. So I think there's some degree of I think people need to realize that like we're going to be bad right now like even under good circumstances now i think we're exacerbating it with some of our decisions vogel's comment about big picture patience and small picture urgency i think applies to some of his decisions too right yes. we can't put a we can't put a lineup out there with rondo and Bazemore and dwight and Mello, and who is the fifth guy in the, in that group like it didn't matter it wasn't one of russ or ad so it didn't it matter it wasn't and and then the game swings during that period of time, because of course it does. Now, I understand that I, what I think Vogel's strategy is with, with that is that I'm going to try to keep lineups together that do work for the sake of not. But I would argue that we're in kind of survival mode right now with all of yeah. that. The reason I'm bringing up the 100 rotation minutes is like that's super difficult to replace on any given team. Any team would be like searching for pretty bad answers throughout. So but I think that you need to kind of adjust your big picture. Like before the game, he was like, oh, well, Rondo and Russ are going to have to play together because Russ and Russ doesn't like to take long breaks. So it's like, well, sub Rondo out during those those times. You know what to- I mean? To be fair, they played they they played like two minutes together for sure, and, and and so like every decision I thought was anywhere from like fifty percent defensible to like ninety percent defensible last night. The one that was at the fifty percent range to me was that was that small stretch of minutes where neither star was on the court, and immediately my timeline on on Twitter was this like, it was like, it was like the gift from, from get out. Right. Where it's just like, no, 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 no. Right. Where it's this naughty, like, like this no, is really no, no. bad. Yeah. You can't do this. And my sense was he's, he's going to play this group for probably two minutes. Right. And, and then he's going to tell Russ and AD, you're going to have to play this last seven and a half minutes of th- of the game and we need you to go all all out and, and it was sort AD of he wasn't capable of that either right like that's the thing and so ad was already banged up he was already showing a level of of tentativeness offensively that was completely inverse from what he started the game he with dominated right? in the paint he was so good to start that game and 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 so this is why this is why I wasn't super frustrated with last night's game. I felt like I tweeted out some stats the other day about if you remove Rondo and DeAndre Jordan from the lineup data, right? So you take all the lineups in which neither Rondo or DeAndre Jordan are are a part of, and you basically say how have how have the Lakers played with Russ and AD on the floor? Now, some of those will have LeBron minutes in them, but how have they played? 
and their plus their net rating is plus I think fourteen or something like that. You do the same thing with with. LeBron and Russ, you do the same thing with AD and LeBron, and then you do the same thing with all three of them together, and all of those are positive net net ratings. You know what that tells me? Is that the Lakers have been bad when they've been playing their bad lineups, and one of the reasons why they've been playing their bad lineups is because they're literally not healthy. And so I don't know, this is, this is me getting back to my original point. I do not know what we know about this team because the Lakers continue to play some bad lineups. And, and part of playing bad lineups is you don't have the good lineups available to you. Like, so if Frank Vogel was making these same choices, if he was making these same choices when Trevor Ariza was, like if, if the Lakers actually had 15 players available and Rondo was still playing. Of course, look, right? Vogel's in an, awful spot like with all of the injury I, I get that right but there does have to be some short-term ad- adjustment right there does Rondo was he was bad right he was and, bad and that's to that's to like Mike's point of like you know like the guys that are out there gotta get the job yes. done to some degree and like getting back cut on baseline this is a time where we need Rondo like I get he's not gonna lock in for 82 plus the playoff run but that was a game where we needed he doesn't like, need to lock in for 82 man he's not playing 82 he's games he's not right he's he, he, he hadn't played in two games and and his first defensive possession he stands in the corner and i don't know what he's doing but he gets back cut from the opposite corner from the opposite corner he gets back cut you know how hard it is to get back cut when you're on weak side corner (laughs) i'm serious you should already be pinching middle some to help you like yeah that's your natural that's the you have supposed to be in the first place you have low man responsibilities when you're that that defender like like look Rondo kicked my ass two years ago when he helped this team win the championship. This was a game where LeBron James was not going to play. He knew he was going to get minutes tonight. And he had exactly one minute and a half stretch in that game where he looked at all like he cared about being on the basketball court and making an impact as a contributing player to a team that hopes to not only win the championship, but just win a basketball game against the same team that kicked your butt a week ago. And so I don't necessarily have frustrations with the outcome of the game. The outcome of the game is, is what, what it is, but I have these micro frustrations. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. Yeah. And I'm not about to point the finger at Frank Vogel and say, what are you doing playing Rajon Rondo when it's just like, I can understand pointing the finger at Frank, like, why are you playing Rondo with Russell Westbrook, right? That's something I'll get on Frank about. But playing Rondo at all without LeBron James? No, he had to play. Rondo had to play last night. Rondo had to play, and he had to play better than what he did. And there was a baseline level of giving a damn that you have to have as as an NBA player. And guess what? Rondo was well below that level for pretty much 80% of his shifts last night. And I just felt like, ah, well, if this dude don't care, then what are you going to do? You're going to play Austin Reeves at backup point guard? I was suggesting that in the text thread, like, oh, just give the ball to Reeves. Let Reeves and Bradley dribble the ball up if this is the level. And then the next, pos- and then literally out of that timeout, Rondo's, running around like his hair is on fire. And I'm just like, oh, something clearly happened to you during this last huddle because you came out and sprinted up court 
in in an out of bounds situation. You chase down an offensive rebound into the deep corner out in 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 an out of area play. And I'm the side. Oh, where was this dude even for four other minutes during the 12 minutes that you've played to this point in the game? Like there's there's not a lot to me that you can do when you're this limited in terms of the players that you have available to you. It's like the little things that are piling up tell me like, oh, well, I need to see the real team. And until we see the real team, then, then I don't know what to make of this Lakers squad. They're just too banged up to me. So the, the simpler basic point I was trying to make before is just that, yes, all of these things are true, but you still have to find a way to win the game. And there were a couple of reasons why, and we can get into them. The second half, I thought the biggest issue was, was AD not being AD. And once he got hit in the thumb, sure. he wasn't able to get he wasn't either able or willing to get back into those battles in the trenches that he was just crushing the thunder in early. Mm-hmm. So he has he has 18 and 12 in the first half, right? On on a super efficient line. In the second half, he's only three for seven from the field. He's got eleven points and six rebounds. Five of them were, were defensive, and most of them kind of came into his area. It wasn't the typical kind of all right, AD's gonna go end this possession rebound, which is so big for the Lakers during runs that they have. And so that was that was the first thing. Then once you consider that AD isn't able to play like himself, LeBron's on the floor, you're getting deep into the rotation. Rondo isn't really supposed to be playing much this season. Now he has to. And all of the veterans that are playing in this early season game, you've got the Thunder, who came back against Lakers once, therefore have confidence, are athletic in terms of with Shea, with Lou Dort, with Baisley uh, to an extent, even off the bench with with Williams. You know, Ty Jerome ended up killing them uh, for a while, especially at the end of that that second half, but or the end of the first half. So that's where you get into the portions of the game where, okay, I can see this young athletic team, given what the Lakers have on the floor with Rondo, with Melo, right. you know, with Westbrook, right. with with DeAndre Jordan, with these Laker minimum vets that are supposed to be playing bit roles for the most part, and some expanded sometimes, like if you're playing as well as Melo's playing. So I get all that, right? And that's where. The, the frustration element of the basketball game is not as much there for me because you can see possession to possession that the Lakers weren't creating a lot of advantages. Mm-hmm. And yeah. but but it's the, the it's more of the mindset thing that those vets know right going in that they got to find a way to win that game. And, and it just sort of escaped um, gotcha. out of it. And, and, and that's the part for me that is less acceptable that Melo and some of the other other guys acknowledge post game like we know better. It's not good enough whoever's on the floor like yes we and and that's that i think is what they have to continue to carry with them as they move forward when there doesn't there doesn't seem to be help is not on the way this week at least okay like there at some point none is going to come back thc is going to come back in the next couple of weeks but it's not at portland and so they're going to be they're going to be at this disadvantage once again if ad if that thumb isn't isn't right yet he said after the game it's swollen right like it, it it's bloody so they're the immediate answers that they're seeking um, aren't going to be there aside from just coming together and wanting it more and finding a way. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a great point. And if I'm understanding you correctly, it's kind of that mindset of like, you know, this team came back on you a week ago. You've got to play a full 48. Like, you know, this you just learned this lesson and you kind of let go of the rope. That's one thing with the construction of the roster being 
a lot of guys who have been primary or secondary options, they're not used to doing that defensively for 48. They can lock in and do that. And there are stretches where all of our guys, even Melo, like Melo's had some good defensive plays this season where he's, you know, used his hands quickly or he's rotated over. He broke up a pass yesterday on a, like a transition play because he saw it a half step ahead. Like he's got some anticipation. There's some things to work with, but there's that full 48 of the former stars or the former primary options. That's where when we let go of the rope defensively, it happens very quickly. Now, a lot of that too happens in those lineups where it's like, yeah, this these Russ and AD lineups, you wouldn't expect that to happen there. But at this portion of the game against the Rondos, the DJs, the, you know, mellow Dwight, even with the, you know, slower foot speed where you're like, I can see how that that happens the way that it does. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about our schedule coming up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we talked a lot coming into this season about the Lakers' soft schedule to begin the year. I think that this game probably marks the end of that. They, of the, you know, we had Golden State, Phoenix, and Memphis in the first three games. And we went one and three, or one and two in those, which prior to the season, that sounded about right, right? With us getting our feet underneath us, especially with the injuries, injury issues, that sounded about right. This stretch coming up where it's OKC and Houston and you had Cleveland in there, and Cleveland's not like a bottom barrel team by any means, but... I thought we would drop about one of those games. It's hard to, on a night-to-night basis in the NBA, I don't know who it was going to be against, but I expected there to be one loss there. Turned out there were two, and both of them to Oklahoma City. Now we find ourselves at five and four, going to, <laughs> yeah, and it stings. It stings. That Those two losses are are losses that I think that, I hope there's there's learning opportunity in them, right? And in terms of those lessons that Mike was talking about and that Melo, you know, said that, hey, we know better than this. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um, that said, things are changing, right? On the upcoming schedule, we've got at Portland on Saturday. We've got Charlotte, we've got Miami coming up. Uh, there are fewer of these teams that are really, that we can really play poorly, but still collect a W against. Mike, it's going to be a tough road to hoe, right? We got, uh, if it's Russ and AD, even if he's limited, like we don't have a whole heck of a lot. I'm not going to be wildly upset if we drop, like I'm, I'm hoping for one win out of this, it, at, at this beginning stretch. 
what can we grab onto? What can we get done in this week under the current circumstances? Reinforcements are not coming, like you said, for another couple of weeks. What can be done in this period of time while also kind of, I think, setting the expectation of like, we're not going to be good, right? And, and understanding what can get done during that period of time. The, so the first, the first answer is Davis. And then that, with that answer comes a question. And how much is this thumb going to bother him? And how much is it affecting his touch and his finishing and his rebounding, right? And his ability to get into the trenches. And so if he's... Yeah, mix it up. Yeah. If he's a little bit... Let's say he's 80% of himself, then, you know, you're already... That, that's why I think this... It's not so much the schedule as just the the lack of of the playmaking, you know, element that's there. And I know we, we brought this up on the thread a little bit, but so LeBron's not there. And until he gets back... That's where you'd love to have none or THT, somebody that can get into the paint and create an advantage for themselves or somebody else. So what it really leaves you with, because I'm not including Rondo. I'm not expecting that Rondo is going to be able to just give you a game at this point. I don't think that was the plan coming into the season. I think he was supposed to be in the Jared Dudley role from last yeah. year. Yeah. And and so what that leaves you is Russ and Russ can can keep you in and can win you a game when he's really on. And then, you know, Russ can. Rusk, it can go the other way at times if he doesn't have that sort of strong system and support behind him. But the idea of putting some shooters around him, letting like spreading the floor more, letting him get into the paint, I, I love all that. But you're back to now playing two bigs because the because you just don't have enough guys, period. And if you don't, so so take if you take Rondo out, your bench last night would be Ellington, Mello, Monk, Reeves, and Dwight. So you could go down to just playing nine guys, but you know then you're you're really really lacking playmaking, especially if you can't just run everything through AD. So, Darius, I feel like we keep getting back to what the roster is, and that's the reason is because of the injuries. Because if you did have the rest of the roster, all of a sudden we'd be talking about sure maybe they don't have the ideal big wing, but like at least there would be some options for these types of moments. Well, and not even just the rest of the roster, Mike. I would I would love to see this team with two rotation players out. I think to me, that's a reasonable median expectation is to have just two guys out at any given time. So like even just one of none or THT coming back, Darius, we're missing three of our top four ball handlers. And so I think that speaks to that point of, that Mike's making. It's like, if not Russ creating a shot and AD, and even if AD is a hundred percent healthy, that's not really what he does. Like you can post him up and he, he'll draw two, right? And there's certainly value in that, but from a playmaking perspective, like how do you how do you make it work with with so little to work with? You don't make it work. I'm I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like yeah. I hate to be it's upsetting to be back at this place that we were for so much of last season. Bro, I just want to see the team somewhat healthy. That's all I ask. I don't even know if we'll be good. It's just so frustrating, man. Well, l- last season you you described it as like you reach a point where there's just sort of a critical failure. I said this to you guys last night offline, but if you drew a Venn diagram of Lakers forwards and Lakers ball handlers, guys who would expect it, who would be expected to play forward at any point during the season and guys who would be expected to be a ball handler at any point during the season, right? And in the middle of that Venn diagram is someone like LeBron, right? Um, maybe THT, 
right, who was probably going to have to play some small forward this season. And then on the ball handler side, you would have ball handlers only. You would have someone like none, someone like Rondo. And then on the forwards only side, you would have Mello, Ariza, and AD, right? And so if you add a third circle to the Venn diagram, label it injuries. All right. <laughs> so in the middle yeah. of that, so in the middle of that Venn diagram is LeBron. He's a ball handler, a things. forward, and yes. he's injured. You would have THT. He's a ball handler. He's a forward and he's injured. And then in the overlap of ball handler and injury, you would have none. And in the overlap of forward and injury, you would have Ariza. Pardon my language. Right now, the Lakers are fucked. They yeah. do not have, like, <laughs> yeah. there is. No, it, I, I'm, I'm glad you put it so, so simply, yes. This is the most, like, for, for the construction of this specific team. Yes, and for this what is important. This team wants yes. to be. This team wants to be a power small ball team that has shot creation and ball handling ability all on the floor at the same time and, and enough shooting so that when you are trying to deal with LeBron James handling up top and AD diving to the, to the basket and Russ slashing and Melo in weak side corner and, and – and rebound, run, and it's just like, oh my goodness, and they just keep coming, like, oh, there's THT pushing, there's Kendrick Nunn pushing, oh, look, there's LeBron filling a lane, and none of that is there right now, and then the defensive aspect of this, of switchability, and the ability to play big, but still be mobile enough, that's gone too, right, and so, like, Mike, you've been talking about, like, points in the paint, on the broadcast, and so is Stu, and, and it's usually like one of the keys to, to the game that Stu and Billy Mack have. And it's just like, no one's really saying it out loud, right? But points of the paint go up when the Lakers actually don't play a second big. And that seems wrong, right? Like, because you uh, would think... You would think that's like, oh, the Lakers are bigger. They're going to get more dunks. They're going to do this. But that's actually not right with the construction of, of this specific team because a key driver of points in the paint is going to be Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook needs space in order to get into the paint. And yesterday, or against the Thunder, one of the reasons why that game was even close was because this was one of the, I don't know, maybe dozen games all year where Russ is going to shoot like over 50% on jump shots, right? Like Russ's jumper was looking good. He was banking in everything. He hit two of, two, of his, two of his first three threes. It's just like, oh, this dude, he's on it right now. The jumper is falling. And that's a gift and a curse thing with, with Russ because he can fall too, too in love with it. But the flip side is, is you needed that jumper to fall. There's a second big in the lane. They're crowding the lane. That's the shot that's going to be available to him. And so when you're asking me, Pete, like, oh, what are they going to do? The schedule is going to be rough. Yeah, the schedule is going to be rough. They're going to lose a bunch of games. Like, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. If they win these games, I will be pleasantly surprised. Depending on how the game goes, I might be even ecstatic if it's fun, right? <laughs> sure. But I am not expecting 
anything from this team right now. And this second Thunder game told me that. It told me sure. that the Thunder, I told my wife after the game, I said, you know, the Thunder might win. They might win. They could, they could win 12 games this year. And two of them could come against the Lakers, right? Or three of them or four of them. I don't know how many times they play, play the Lakers. I expect them to beat the Lakers every time now. They just have the <laughs> Lakers number. But that's, that's what this team is, right? And, and so they're not able right now, Mike. Are, are there things I'd like to see? Yeah, I'd like to see this team commit to play defense for, well, for longer. But, you know, guess what? They're going to play, I don't know, six non-defenders on any give, given night. I don't, like... I'm tired of expecting things. I'm, I'm no longer six years old. I do not expect Santa Claus to come down my chimney tonight. And so this is what, what it is. I'm going to be realistic about this. You always talk about optimism versus pessimism, but really it's realism. The, real is, the realism part of this is that the Lakers don't have enough right now, and they could compete, and they can play hard, and they can work on minor things and smaller things, but until until they actually have a viable group of, of a basketball team. They have basketball players right now. They do not have a basketball team. Until they actually have a team, then I don't know what to expect from this, from this group of guys besides, hey, play hard at least, but you may not have enough to win because you don't have the ingredients at this point. So, so the, I think that I remember from childhood my mom when she was stressed about something, and she, she's pretty super even-keeled and, wouldn't get stressed that much, but when she would, she would like start cleaning the house. And so while Darius was going on his most recent rant, I just instinctively, I kind of stood up. I grabbed this broom right here that you guys can see. <laughs> I was kind of going around my around oh, the Riggs area. Oh, Riggs gets it from you. That Riggs I'm gets sitting it from in. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I, you know, it's a the tough part about losing these two games to OKC is he, the whole if and whatever. It, had the Lakers just won these games, they would be what seven and two, and yeah. so then there's your little cushion <clears throat> for when LeBron does end up having to miss the next couple games, and and all these injuries that have been there, they still would have been. And, and again, it was because of the schedule. But guess what? We baked that in when we we did the whole schedule podcast. Like I, that was the first thing I wrote in my schedule article: early season soft home games, right? Like enough of the cushion to get through the season. So what we have to do now is not just adjust the expectation of what the record's going to be, but adjust how the Lakers are going to have to play later in the season. Because now there are a lot of other Western teams, and, and this is the part where maybe some of this evens out some. There are plenty of other Western teams that haven't started the, the season very well for a number of reasons. Take Utah and Golden State out, who have just found ways to win games. Uh, I think the continuity has helped a lot. But even so, Phoenix, even with winning three straight games, is four and three. Denver's four and four, right? The Clippers and Wolves are all are both three and four. The Blazers are three and five. So they've had tougher schedules, but right now there isn't the gap. But if you see the Lakers lose three out of their next five or what, what, something like that, all of a sudden you're going to be dipping down into playing territory. And then once LeBron does come back, then all of a sudden some of these games that are tougher to win, they're going to have to be locked in to do that. Now, maybe that ends up not being the worst thing because maybe that allows them to find their rhythm and then they're getting guys back. And so it's this is not big picture wise. They do have time to correct it all. But it is a bit what what Darius said, like it's now it's, they got to buckle in right now and just find ways to to win games however they can, because there are fewer of the obvious 
They got LeBron and AD. The right, who put three shooters or three defenders next to him, and they'll win the majority of their games. They don't right now, and it is a it's a it's a similar position that they were in last year, and one that I think Laker fans are, have become frustrated with having to go into games with. Oh, it's it's so frustrating, Mike. Like I said, I just want to see my team with like sort of healthy. I'm not. I don't think we'll be fully healthy at any point during the season. But under the current circumstances, I think we need to maximize Russ as best as possible. That Venn diagram that Darius is talking about is like Russ is one of we we've heard a few times like this is why you trade for Russ. Now, that's true, certainly. He's not intended to be around entirely vet minimum players, but he can be a 40% usage type of guy. You can get him to that place. I think that, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but I do think that opening up the driving lanes for him is, that's like the one place where we have shot creation available at this point, and that it's super important. It's like, it's way more important to do that now, even under normal circumstances. And I thought that that was the priority of the season in terms of building the team is building it around Russ and Russ's strengths and weaknesses because LeBron and AD can fit it. Well, now Russ is our one strength, but Russ is our way in terms of shot creation, our ability guy who can get shots for himself and for others. AD can to an extent, but we don't know as of recording now what the condition of his thumb is. So D wrap it up for us. Again, the the Lakers are screwed right now. I agree with they your are. thesis, right? But work can always get done toward a longer term goal, and you can kind of maximize. Like these are the circumstances we are under. Ooh. You don't always, yeah. Go ahead. Can, no, can I interject just for Darius? Can I mean I get you were you were definitely. I'm not saying you were uh, you weren't being full 100 when you said that, but there's a little bit of you that thinks like, okay, they can still win some games, or are you do you, like I'm giving you the opportunity? Do you want to slightly? come back on that or are you really feeling like no like this is this is big trouble for the next couple of weeks it is big trouble for for the next couple of weeks but the re- the reason why you roll out the basketball and keep scores because of just what the lakers experienced on the wrong side of things with oklahoma city right and so the like of course the lakers have russell westbrook and they have anthony davis anything is available to them on any given night to go out there and win when I'm talking, but those are, that is not my expectation at this point because the, the construction and availability of the roster right now limits the avenues in which you can make those players successful. And, and it's, it's just hard right now to find the avenues. Like you were, Frank Vogel is consistently trying to thread a needle, but he's going to have to do it with shaky hands. It's 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 how do you actually get it done each each night? Like there's going to be at least two or three lineups a game, Mike, where it's going to be. All right. Well, let's let's hope this works. Right. Because there's literally no other opportunity now to Pete's point, And I agree with you, Pete. They do need to start to change things up. And that short-term urgency that Vogel spoke spoke about likely is going to have to come with some lineup chain changes. But I'm going to shift away from X's and O's and, and everything else. Before the season started, this group talked about facing down adversity. They've talked about it a lot, actually. And that idea was mostly around the concept of how does this group fit together and how rocky it's going to be as they figure each other out. 
unfortunately, we haven't been able to see that sort of adversity yet because the team actually hasn't been together long enough to play. And so this is a new type of adversity that they're going to have have to face. They're going to have they're going to be down a lot of guys. They're not going to win at the rate they're likely not going to win at the rate that they would hope hope to win and losing brings frustration and losing brings out the worst in professional athletes. It just does. And this is where the team could splinter if they're not in the right headspace. And so what I'm looking to get out of this short-term stuff isn't so much of like, what can they do from an X's and O's standpoint or how can they optimize Russ? I agree, Pete, all that stuff is super important. But to me, I'm more looking at the social emotional side of things when, when it comes to this group right now. And can they stay together? Can they stay focused? And can they keep the main thing the main thing? Because as LeBron says, that's what's most important. Right. And bickering or squabbling or or veiled shots or right. Like that's the sort of stuff that can happen when you start to lose games and have a two or three or four game losing streak. And the Lakers need to avoid that stuff because that's the thing that could sink you way more than if you play a second big for too many minutes. Right. Well, I would argue that. It's a lot easier to get into those spaces when you're blowing big leads or you're getting blown out by a better team than OKC. Agree. And that's a function of the lineups that you play and the choices that you make. And there are no good ones right now, right? Like Vogel's in a really, really tough spot. But I think that more than ever, we need to really try to maximize Russ. And I think that if we're in a place where we're – say we're playing Miami in a couple of games who – they got whooped by Boston in last night's game, but for mo- for the year so far, they've been the team that's impressed me the most around the league. And we're competitive with Miami. And let's say now, mind you, with the whole like how screwed we are is a matter of like how healthy is AD and can AD mix it up in the paint? We can win some games and tread water if AD is OK, but if he's not like we're in deep trouble. But against a team like Miami, we need all our guys, especially with how well they've been playing th- throughout this year. So if we're competitive in that game and we've spaced the floor and we've done our you know best, but we lose by eight because we just don't have enough guys like yeah. the guys on the floor. They know like, hey, we gave a good effort in that game. And like, that's something to build off of going forward. So I certainly agree that the idea of being splintered and we need to avoid that. And this is a big danger of this period of time is finger pointing and, and all of, all of that. Those things are tied together. We really need to maximize our basketball decisions now more than ever, because our margin for error is so low. So every mistake that's made is amplified because there's something coming up in that game D that is inevitable. There's some shitty lineup that has to play that because there is no other option, like even the, the most optimized lineups right now, something bad is going to be out there on the court. And so when you do have the opportunity to play your two stars together or have lineups led by Russ, who that's the big thing is that like there's no shot creation really outside of him. And so when Russ is off of the floor, we're going to be bad. But when Russ is on the floor, we really need to be good. And that I think requires a, a, a degree of accounting for him that will tie into how well we are able to stick together and get through hard times. 100% agree. I think in the best case, you remember that stretch where the Lakers went on the road last season and they won a few games, like they beat the Nets and Markeith Morris had like a really good stretch where he was LeBron like making AD shots. Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so there was a feel good vibe 
in in those games where it's sort of like, ah, oh, this this is unexpected. Yeah, right? we went like six and eight during that period of time, and it was like, hey, that was fun. We we defended right, and obviously that's the thing that's not that we can't fall back on with. That's right. But, but we need to be able to play offense. Like we can't score 101 or whatever we scored against OKC, right? Like that's the whole point and perspective of from where I'm coming from this season is we is, need to be what is, we are. What like is we can the, score. Yeah. What is the team? What is the team you have available to you? It's a yeah. bunch of it's it's a bunch of guys who can play some some offense and how can you skew that towards towards success and that's where i agree with you and that's where some of my vocal frustration lies but it's not amplified nearly to the point that sort of i see sort of floating out there in the wind a little bit right like perfectly understandable like like i do i i do get that there's frustrations around some of the lineup choices and and everything else but i guess to to bring this all 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 of the way home this is a point of the season where there's so much that's missing so there needs to be they need to meet in the middle a little bit more and this upcoming stretch where lebron's going to be out and the reinforcements aren't 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 coming that's where I do think Vogel's going to need to say, well, maybe we do need to go small. Maybe we, maybe only one of you guys, and he's looking at Dwight and DJ, maybe only one of you guys is going to play, right? Or like, you can still play both of them too, where it's like, if you could start small, you play one of them the last six of the first quarter, the other one starts the second and fourth quarter. Like we're down a certain number of bodies where like, I'm not, you know, jumping up and down and screaming because DJ is playing right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, we, we only have a certain number of, of bodies. It's just like, there has to be a certain amount of adaptability that isn't, that might not even be applicable to three weeks from now, but our current situation, we need to get our legs under us as best as we can in a situation where there are a lot of factors working against that. Yeah. Right. And, and that, and so I don't know, it requires a certain amount of doing things differently than you would like to, right? Like this is the team that you have right now. And so I, I think that that's, that maximizing that is important. It was good to vent and get some of this off of our, our, our chest. We got a game on Saturday. We'll be back on Monday to uh, see how that went down and cover that and uh, a whole lot more on the next episode of the Laker Film Room Podcast. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is Lonnie. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's Let's the move. Go. Two, Let's go. one, Missing. it. Brian. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. And it's a 
the injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.